Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another edition of Out of Bounds. I'm your host, Spencer Brown. And joining me today are my two best friends and co-hosts, Dalton Bishop. Hey. And Casey Reardon. Howdy doody. So, we didn't anticipate taking over a week to record a new episode, but we all got busy with live. So, we're going to do our best to give you all the important events that have taken place over the last week or so. Starting with the NBA, but before that, I just want to let you, the viewers, know that we are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google. And so if you're interested in going to those platforms, please give us a uh, good review on Apple, five stars, and subscribe and follow us. So we'll begin today with the NBA. And before we talk about some of the fun stuff, we want to highlight, kind of start off kind of a little lower with the injuries to... Three big players for their respective teams. Jonathan Isaac tore his ACL. Jaron Jackson Jr. from the Grizzlies tore his meniscus. And then Ben Simmons, former number overall pick and rookie of the year winner, dislocated his knee. And all of them are expected to be out for the remainder of this season, but also for the majority of next season. Because next season's schedule is kind of like in flux right now because we're still waiting to see how this season finishes up. But these guys are probably not going to play for the better part of the next year. So I'm going to throw over to Casey first as he has a bit more medical background than Dalton and I have to just kind of digest like how long he thinks that three players will be out for and the seriousness of these injuries. Um, starting with um, Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac's injury is uh, the most severe one out of all of them. Um, Jonathan Isaac's uh, ACL or basically the ligament that keeps your knee from sliding uh, forward, I think. Yeah, keeps it from sliding. That's basically split in half. So any way he puts on his knee or his leg is um, further putting his knee at risk. So really we want to see him fully recover, of course. But that could take anywhere from a couple weeks to months, depending on how bad the actual knee injury was or depending on um, how many foreign bodies are floating around in that uh, knee area. So he'll be out the longest out of all of them. Uh, Jaron Jackson tore his meniscus, which is, again, in the knee, right kind of between the lower leg and the upper leg. Uh, That one is a little bit shorter of a recovery time. You're in and out in the hospital maybe one day, and it's all just nursing it back to health, which shouldn't take more than a couple months. He'll be back for the next season. And then Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons' knee injury is kind of weird because we don't know just how serious it was. All we know is the dislocation of it and that there was a procedure done to remove floating bodies, which is just either cartilage or loose ligament or uh, yeah loose ligament uh, shards or pieces so we really don't know how long he'll be out but we should see him play by the end of next season for sure okay so with these injuries and I'm gonna throw this over to Dalton real quick but Jonathan Isaac the Magic like they're in the playoffs but they're not expected to do much Grizzlies are fighting for the playoffs but again not expected to do much Philadelphia 76ers have been kind of a disappointment all year, to say the least, given high expectations at the start of the year. But Ben Simmons, you can make a case he's their best player, at least top two behind Embiid. So, Dalton, what, how big of an impact is the loss of Ben Simmons on a team like the 76ers? Um, well, I think that probably it's kind of like a big impact because he was their starting point guard and he was dishing out all the assists and scoring. Um, so without him, they're probably their mojo and like, um, how they're moving the ball and stuff is kind of lost. And, um, and honestly, um, you, it's, it probably won't be a surprise that there'll be a different team. Once the playoff starts, they'll probably go through Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris. Once the playoff starts, um, so I mean, yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much it. I mean, because he was he was basically the engine that kept them that you know kept that team going for the most part, besides Embiid. Um, 
Yeah, just from a passing perspective, it was huge. Um, scoring, sort of, sort of huge, but um, yeah, definitely, definitely a, a big loss. Yeah, they're going to need someone to make all those layups and dunks for the 76 er without Ben Simmons now. <laughs> yeah, totally. We all know he can't shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Casey, anything you want to add about the impact on either Ben Simmons or the other guys? Just the impact on these teams losing arguably without Ben Simmons, the, best the 76ers are making it out of the first round. Yeah, I mean, they're slated gonna, right now, now to be six, like in that four to six range, which is interesting to watch, to say the least. But there's def- I don't see any of these teams making it past. Even with a healthy Ben Simmons, I don't think Philadelphia was going to make much of a noise come playoff time. I mean, Ben Simmons isn't playing point guard for the Sixers right now. He's been moved to power forward, so. I mean, he it's... looked better. It, that suits him much better for what he – because he's, yeah, I mean, he's not can't... a shooter. Yeah, he's a point forward. He's like a worse version of Giannis. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to but... also imagine these guys, like Ben Simmons, because – in today's game, a lot of people, regardless of position, they can shoot the ball. So, even yeah. though he is this power four, you see guys like Jokic going out there and shooting. LeBron's occasionally sliding to power four. Tatum's been playing power four for the Celtics. And these guys have an outside shot. So, I mean, it's a different game than it was back in, say, the 90s or the 80s when the, you didn't see many people shoot, but especially big men. Yeah, and again, without Ben Simmons, the Sixers will have Embiid, who, of course – Got injured himself, a knee injury, again, but he's back playing. Uh, and Tobias Harris hasn't really stepped up for the 76ers as much this year. He's kind of a big waste of money, in in my opinion. 76ers management, I've been critical of. I mean, Al Horford, they went out and signed him last year, and I think one of my friends mentioned this on his podcast. But, like, Al Horford, you pay him big money, take him away from Boston. Tobias Harris, you give him big money. And then you let uh, a guy like Jimmy Butler walk away when you made these big trades last year to get Jimmy and Tobias on the team. So, I mean, I don't know what Elton Brand's doing over there, but he does not get enough credit for kind of the dysfunctional, poor poor uh, decision-making there in Philadelphia. But anyway, right now, the uh, I want to give a little update for the bubble. So, Milwaukee and Los Angeles Lakers have clinched the one-seeds for their respective conferences and have been kind of coasting. So I want to get your guys' thought. I'll start with Dalton first on, like, should they keep these guys, like, rest their starters to keep them safe for the playoffs? Should they go out and try to gel and get sick? Because they did have that long layoff in eight games to try to revamp. What do you think these teams should be doing? Dalton, I'll start with you. Okay. Um. Well, all right. Um. I think they should probably play their starters for the first or even maybe even the second quarter as well in the like the next two games or how many games are left before the actual playoffs start. Um, but then after that, like post halftime, just rest your starters. Okay, you don't need any like you don't need anything bad happening to your starters. Um yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much what I would do if I was if I was Frank Vogel or Milwaukee. you see Dalton. I kind of disagree with you. I think that the starters shouldn't play at all. I mean, look at the Lakers, the Bucks, the Raptors, and all these other high top seed teams. Uh, I don't think I'd want to play my superstars and risk getting injured when we could go through a playoff push. I mean, Giannis rested tonight. Kyle Lowry rested tonight. LeBron and AD have been getting rise, even though AD did play yeah. or is currently playing now. But it's not worth it because they're locked in. They're locked into the one seeds, the two seeds. It's not worth playing their star players when they have literally nothing to play for except for stats and personal accolades right now. Yeah, In a normal year, seeding would be very important. But given that they're in a bubble and there's not going to be any traveling, there's no home court advantage per se for these teams. So, really, I mean, you're not really fighting for much. I mean, I guess the team's jockeying for seeding. Or, like, the, like, we'll get to a little later on, the team's jockeying for the eighth seed out west. There's games that are very important for those teams to go out and play. But, like, if a team like the Lakers or Bucks, like, if they lose, it's not the end of the world for those teams. Exactly. But I will, do you want to get your thoughts on uh, right now four, five, and six in the east is Miami, Indiana, 
and Philadelphia. Miami beat the Pacers earlier today. They also played the last game is also Miami versus Pacers. Currently has it set up the playoffs four or five would play today. So Miami and Indiana, which that could be interesting. And then the sixth seed, which would play the Boston Celtics. So I have my opinion on this, but I'll get to your thought. Who do you, if you were Boston, which one of those teams do you want to be the sixth seed? Miami, Philadelphia, or Indiana? I'll start with Dalton. I'd wonder if you, if, okay, so if I'm Boston, I would want to play probably – I'd probably want to play Philly or um, the uh, Pacers because Boston basically matches up really well with both of those teams and maybe even Miami too. Honestly, if you're Boston because you, cause you honestly have the better team than all three of those teams, okay, playing – either of them is perfectly fine with you because your size is automatically like it fits just perfect with that team. Like in terms of like the matchups and stuff. And plus you have Brad Stevens as a coach. So your coaching advantage is already there. Okay. You already have the advantage right off the bat. All right. Um, so, but I mean, yeah. So basically if I'm Boston, I don't care who I'm playing. Okay. Uh, it, it, like uh, those three teams would work perfectly for me because either way I'm getting out of the first round. Hopefully, Casey, what's your thoughts on that? If I'm Boston, I definitely do not want to play the Pacers because they are a very hot team that is very hungry. Yeah, it's all about getting especially hot the right with time. TJ, especially with TJ, um, Victor Oladipo, and Miles Turner. Yeah, that's a scary, scary team. And uh, I don't know how they'll match up with the Celtics. But I would also not want to play the Heat either because that's a team that has a lot of heart. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and uh, Tyler Hero are some very dangerous shooters and low post threats that the Celtics just do not have a center to match up with. If I were the Celtics, I would definitely want to play the Sixers because of how how injured they are and because they don't have – really many options coming off the bench like the other two teams do. Yeah. My stance had always been if, like, back in March when the season suspended, Philadelphia had beat us three out of the four times we had played this year. So I was kind of, like, weird about playing Philadelphia despite their dysfunction, although Philly was a very bad road team. But, like, right now, like you guys mentioned, Indiana, the Pacers, I we beat, we swept the last year in the first round. They didn't have Oladipo, though. But TJ Warren has been arguably the best player in the bubble at right now and filled up with the injuries I think that just bodes well and Brett Brown I think is one of the worst coaches yeah that will be in the playoffs honestly I've, like looking at the coaching staff I think Brooklyn's on an interim coach who I forget the name of at the moment but I think Brett Brown's probably the worst playoff coach at this moment and also out I think I I think I agree with that yeah. also out west the eight seed is a very tight race and is guaranteed to be this play-in tournament that is going to be very fun to watch. Right now, New Orleans and Sacramento have been eliminated. So, unfortunately, J.J. Reddick's streak of making the playoffs every year of his career ends in his 14th year. And also, no Zion Williamson. So, moment of silence for this. Ah, who am I kidding? No, Rest no, in peace, no. Sports Center's dreams of LeBron versus Zion. Oh, yeah. The first round have been gone in four, though. But the Lakers have the one seed, and we don't know who their opponent is yet. Right now, it's Memphis, Portland, San Antonio, and the red-hot Phoenix Suns, who have been 6-0 in this bubble. So, right now, Memphis is the eighth seed. Portland is currently nine, half game out. But of those four teams, for me personally, if I'm the Lakers, I don't want to face Portland because Gary Trent's been a really good six-man. Nurkic is back on that team. We know how good Damon CJ have been. Melo, despite his uh, last few years, he's been having a resurgence. That Portland team is getting red hot at the right time, and I think if they- and Spencer, not to mention that Portland has a bench and the Lakers don't. Yeah, the Lakers have a bunch of names, but no actual contributors. Yeah, it's like it's I the mean, all maybe team. Deion Waiters, but mm. I mean, yeah, they got yeah they got names that you recognize, but it's mostly for being memes. Like J.R. Smith, we all know like he's not a bad shooter, but. The Henny God. The Henny God. We all know what he did in the finals a couple of years ago against the Warriors. But if, I mean, if I'm the Lakers, 
I think Portland's the one you want to avoid. Like, I think Memphis, you roll through them in four, probably, maybe five. San Antonio, you can't count Popovich out, but this team's just not that good this year. Phoenix has been red hot in the bubble, but I contribute that more to they have way more to play for. And I, well, I want you guys to know some of this because Phoenix is 6 and 0. Do you contribute more to the team being really good or the team having much more to play for than their opponents have had to play for and the opponents kind of um, resting starters? I think the Suns are just finally healthy and mending together. I mean, Aiton was suspended for the beginning of the year. Um, some of the team's been injured, and I think they're all just starting to mesh together now and really get solid playing time. I mean, uh, I don't know who the coach is over there, but he's been doing a great job with uh, handling Booker and Aiton. And, uh, yeah, I think that the Suns are just finally meshing together and realizing their potential as a team. Yeah, Dawn, what's your thoughts on the Suns situation? I mean, they're obviously clicking at the right time. Um, now, I will say that the teams that they play don't really have anything to play for. They blew out the Thunder today, which I saw. And I'm pretty sure they that um, the Thunder rested their starters after, like, the third quarter or halfway through the fourth because, obviously, there's, they're already getting blown out, so why would they go ahead and keep playing their starters? Um, but Phoenix is playing pretty well. I will admit that. Okay, they're playing, yeah. they're playing well. I don't know how how it's going to play out, considering that they still have to win out and everybody else has to lose for them to actually get the eighth or ninth seed. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, if you want my personal opinion, I don't think they make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. So, but do you guys know my point mean, about? Dole, you're okay, saying that they haven't really played many teams that have stuff to play for. I mean, they've played the Mavericks, the Clippers, the Pacers, and the Heat, as well as the Thunder. Those are all playoff teams. Yeah, I mean, the, the first oh, thing we yeah, Washington is a very bad team. Are, yeah, those are all playoff teams that are all very, very good. I mean, look, you got the Mavericks with Luka and Kristaps. You got the Clippers with Paul George and... Kawhi, the Pacers with a red-hot T.J. Warren, who even then they still beat. They also beat the Heat. I mean, these are all very good playoff-caliber teams that they're winning hard games. This Suns team is just different right now, and I think they're going to ride that hot streak into the playoffs and possibly give LeBron some trouble. Yeah, that Clippers game, though, was a buzzer beater by D-Book at the end to give him the win. A win's a win, man. A win's a win, but, like, deep, that was an impressive shot for Devin Booker against a very good Clippers team that's currently seated two. But, like, do you guys agree with my point about the Trailblazers probably give the Lakers the uh, toughest matchup of the four teams that are vying for the eighth spot? Definitely. Yes, I do. I think I mean I'm going on record. If it's Portland, Los Angeles. I think it goes at least six. I think the rest ends in four, probably maybe five. But if like if like a team like Phoenix does get in, they go hot one night and D-Book can't miss. They maybe force if LeBron a- plays the Trailblazers. The Lakers are out first round. I'm saying it now. You're gonna call the upset Trailblazers over Lakers? I am calling it right now. I would love to see that happen, man. That'd be just funny. LeBron going to L.A. first year gets injured, missed the playoffs, and then. It- a first-round loss. I think – I mean, Portland has a talent to do that. I mean, we, they, they have were, the depth to do it more. Yeah, Portland. they were banged up at the beginning of the year. Like, the uh, the uh, delay helped them a lot because, like, Nurkic, I believe, was scheduled to come back very soon when, it's, when it uh, shut off. But, like, Dame said beforehand, he's like, I'm not going to the down to a bubble if we don't have a good chance to make the playoffs. They had a chance. He goes down, and they're right now a half game out of the HC with Memphis. And Memphis, Memphis just lost, too. Gosh, Memphis is a fun team because they got John Morant, Dylan Brooks, and a few others. But, like, that team is just – I mean, credit for Taylor Jenkins for the head coaching job he's done with this group of guys. And, but, like, uh, it's just not going that far in the play. If they were to make it, they just wouldn't last that long. But, anyway, n- down to um, this week preview, there's really not much, like, Big matchups happening. I don't believe, like. I'm gonna check it real quick, but like, are locked in place. 
Um, yeah, I guess we'll focus on the in Memphis's next two games: Celtics and Bucks. Two teams that, although very good, have little to nothing to play for because they already have their seeds locked up. So, two. I mean, if the teams rest their stars, and I think they do, especially the Bucks that uh, eight seeding game round. I think the Memphis has a good chance to win out. Uh, Portland's next two is the Mavericks team, which is very good, and a Brooklyn Nets team that just kind of trying to stay alive and have some semblance. Dallas is at the seventh seed, but they're a game back of six seed at Utah, so that could be an interesting game. Phoenix has 76ers, who we have discussed being kind of dysfunctional, and then a Mavericks team that's very interesting. And then San Antonio, who's still somehow in it, Rockets and Jazz. So that's going to be some very fun games vying for the eighth spot. Out east, one to eight is already locked in. There's just a couple uh, seating, like the fourth through six is going to be very interesting. Indiana Pacers and Miami Heat on Friday, 4 p.m., is going to be a very fun game. Like, that could come down. That could determine who gets – I mean, they're like right now they're scheduled to play each other, so it's not the biggest deal on who gets to be the, quote, home team. But just something to watch out for. Anything you guys want to watch out for in this final week of seeding play? I want to see how these contending teams handle their star players as well as getting ready for the playoffs. I want to see which teams kind of step up and which teams kind of take their foot off the gas. Because, in my opinion, if you take your foot off the gas this close to the playoffs, you're not going far into it. Yeah, I mean, this the is very the time important, to really hammer down and get going. I mean, the important thing is for these guys to have their teams fully healthy. Like, at least I can speak from Boss's perspective because I follow them a lot more. But, like, Kimba's knee was bothering him throughout the entire quarantine and suspension, and even when the season was going on, obviously. But, like, right now, there's no injuries on the Celtics, and they don't want to re aggravate Ken, uh, Kimba's knee. But, like, you, you've seen, like, Portland, like, Philadelphia lost Ben Simmons. So, I mean, it'd be interesting. Hopefully, no wish injury, but, I mean, if, if someone gets a freak injury this next week on a star team that didn't really need to play him, there's going to be a lot of backlash for that team. For sure. Yeah, Dawn, anything you want to add about what you're looking forward to this final week? No, literally, I'm just ready. I'm just ready for the seating to be finalized. Yeah, give me some playoff basketball. Anyway, the awards finalist for the NBA was announced this past week, being the top three vote-getters, so a lot of people had strong opinions on oh, player X should have been on this list instead of player Y, but I mean, there's no doubt that these players were considered for these awards, and they just didn't crack the top three. So, we may have unanimous opinions on it, but if there is a debate needed, we can always have that. So, we're going to start with the MVP awards. So I, get, I think we'll be in agreement on this. The three finalists being Giannis Antetokounmpo from the Bucks, James Harden from the Rockets, and LeBron and the Lakers. I think I mean my pick's Giannis. I think it's pretty obvious. You watch basketball, just Giannis willing his team to victory, having the best record in the East, and just being one of the top players and the future of this league. So that's my pick. Casey, I'll throw it over to you for your pick. Any disagreement or I like James on this? Hard- I like James Harden for this. I know he's not gonna win it, but I do like to see I would like to see James Harden win this. LeBron just hasn't done enough for me to win MVP this year. Uh, Giannis, of course, is literally a freak. I mean, it's his nickname. But yeah. I would like to see James Harden win it, but it's Giannis's award to lose. Yeah. Dawn, any agreement, disagreement on this? I'm going to have to agree with you, Spence. Um, Giannis is probably my favorite to win MVP as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, go on. Then probably. I mean, honestly, I'd probably say LeBron probably finished second, and then Harden third. Um, I don't know. I probably, I probably would put LeBron second behind Giannis just because he built his team to like the first seed in the West. Um, and also Russ has also like done some damage with the Rockets as well, and it hasn't always been like Harden centric this year as opposed to as opposed to like past years. But, yeah. I mean, then again, there is AD on the Lakers, too. I mean, yeah, like that's the thing about Giannis being on the Bucks. Their second best player is probably Chris Middleton, who's no slouch. I believe he made the all star team this year, but he's not scary when you think of like 
LeBron and AD or Harden and Westbrook. Like, no disrespect to Chris Middleton. He's very good, but I think Giannis with that, like, cast, with the Lopez brothers and whatnot, it's very impressive what he's done with that group. Yeah. Going back-to-back with the MVP. Next up, the Kia Rookie of the Year Award. John and Morant, the th- 100%. John Morant. Yeah, the nominees, John Morant, Kendrick Nunn, Zion Williamson. I think for me, it's just Zion not playing enough games. Like, he only played, I believe, 19 because – also, for the awards, they did the voting, and they only counted up until the March suspension of the league. So, the seeding games do not count for this. So, like Casey already said, John Morant. John Morant's my pick. And notice, like, Zion will probably, like, he's our, if you make a case, he's the best player from this class. But I think the number of games is a, that's a deterrent for me, at least. And I think a lot of voters probably had that same from what uh, situation. Seen, from what I've seen of Zion's play. He is the clear cut number two um rookie of I mean rookie of the year candidate. I mean Kendrick Nunn, yes, he started off very hot. Then you ha- didn't hear from him the rest of the year. I mean, but Zion came in and was instantly a force to be reckoned with. His first game he was four for he had like four or five straight threes in the fourth quarter. I remember watching that live. I was like, dang, this kid I mean we all knew how talented he was anyway, but like he that was unbelievable. I mean, that very unfortunate we won't see him in the playoffs. It it is a small sample size, but from what we did see, those are insane numbers from a rookie that deserves second place. Yeah, the only it's like Joel Embiid is because he did not play more. And yeah, the only reason it's like that John Morant is winning Rookie of the Year, in my opinion, is because he played more and is vying for a playoff spot. Yeah, like that team is not Memphis is not in the playoffs without. John Moran, but it's like Joel Embiid a couple years ago. Like, yeah, he sat out his first two years with injuries, but when he played, he only played, I think it was 31 games. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But he played 31 games and was impressive, but, like, that hurt him, and of course, no one knows this, but Malcolm Brogdon won Rookie of the Year that year. Like, he's a good player, but compared to, like, Embiid, like, it was, it's interesting. I still think Embiid should have won that award. I'm surprised he didn't. Yeah, he only, it was only 30 games. I think that's also, like, I think number of games matter. If you don't play half the season at least, I, if I was ever a voter, you have to play at least half the season for me to consider you because obviously you're not going to play all 82. Yeah. But also, like, someone plays, like, 10 games, and if they even they average 50 points in that 10 games, it would be really impressive. I don't see, think I could vote for them for an award just because of the injuries. Next up, most improved player of the year. It's Bam out of bio, Luka Doncic, and Brandon Ingram. So I'll start with Casey. Who's who's your pick on this award? Definitely not. Definitely not Luka. I mean, Luka should not be on this list whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The fact that he's even on this list is confusing. Everyone was because mad of- because people were like Devontae Graham should be on here, and you can make a case. I think Devontae Graham probably finished fourth or fifth, but he definitely mm-hmm. got a lot of consideration for this award. But I don't think Lucas should be on this list whatsoever. I mean, he was a superstar last year, and he's just gotten better. And uh, But I think it's very close between Bam and Brandon Ingram. Uh, I don't know. I think I have to give this one to Brandon Ingram just from the huge step he's taken leading that uh, Pelicans team. Yeah, getting out of the Los Angeles system, getting a new system, new team, and new location, that definitely helped him out, I think. As of now, that is Brandon Ingram's team without Zion. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, no force because they have Zion. But we saw Anthony Davis. He only made the playoffs, I think, twice when he was there. So it'll be interesting to see if Zion can go to the playoffs. I mean, they were close this year. But like, it was also very close to the entire West. No, I don't know, man. I mean, then again, Bam Adebayo is almost averaging 20, 12, and – Five. I mean, he's averaging 19, 11, and 5. Bam was very impressive. I, my pick is Bam out of bio. I mean, I think just the leap that he's taken forward this year has been impressive. Dawn, what's your It's going to be possible for sure. I mean, Luka's a better player than all of them. I'm going to pick Luka, and then second would probably be Bam. But Oh, well, we're, we're all in different – we all pick different players. But I only pick yeah, Luka. We're, basically... we're talking about who made the biggest jump from last season I mean, to this season. Like, Luka went from rookie of the year to potential MVP. Like, I mean, I think he's, like, top five to seven MVP probably. I mean, I think Dallas being a little lower in the playoffs may have factored it out. But I think Luka has potential to be MVP, like, next season 
if Dallas is in the top four. The and West. if you're in MVP contention, then you're definitely not most improved because he was up. He was getting talks like that last year too. I don't know. Remember that year Steph Curry won MVP, and then next year broke the three point record and shattered it, and was the first unanimous MVP. People voted him most improved because, like, he was MVP, but he also took an unprecedented leap forward the next year that people had never seen. He got that most improved. He didn't win it, but he did get consider. He got consideration for most improved. I forget who won that year. Yeah, and that's. Different because Steph went from, you know, everyday three-point season numbers to shattering a record that stood since Ray Allen, right? Well, no, he broke his own. No, it wasn't. The, Ray Allen has the all-time, but he broke his own record for threes in a single season. It was, I believe it was like a 250 around that number. He hit over 400 threes that year. And, yeah, that's absolutely He insane. didn't w- But, yeah, he had consideration. I mean, Luca, I think, like, he did improve – but I think it's just, like, natural progression that, like, you expect him to make this jump each year. Because you don't mm-hmm. expect them to be decreasing. You expect people to improve their stats every year. Yeah. I if like I think you can't go wrong. I just think that everyone was mad about Luca. Luca even said himself, like, I don't deserve this. Give it to Devontae. He should be on the finalist list. Yeah. But, I mean, and- they all definitely made improvements in their game. And they're going to be fun to watch the next few years. Yeah, for real. For sure. Next up, defensive player of the year. We have Giannis, Anthony Davis, and Rudy Gobert. No doubt Giannis here. Yeah, I don't, uh, Giannis going to be one of the – I think Hakeem was the last one. I don't think LeBron ever did in the same year. I could be wrong. I think that I saw somewhere Hakeem Olajuwon was the last to be MVP and defensive player of the year in the same season. Which year was that? I, like 90-something? Some of the 90s. I I got to recheck this. Because I know right Jordan now. definitely did that at least once in his career. Oh, yeah, Jordan for sure. But is I think Giannis, the way he's been playing this year on both sides of the court, I don't see how you can award it anywhere differently. Dolan, what's your thoughts on this? Honestly, Giannis should win it. Yeah. Next up, sixth man of the year. We have two Clippers, Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams. So I feel like Lou Williams just that – uh. Like every, it's like LeBron MVP. Like you have to have him as a finalist every year just because of yeah this. Like his, he is a very good six man, all time leader and points off the bench. The perennial Other, candidate. Yeah. yeah. Other one being Dennis Schroeder for the Oklahoma City Thunder. My pick has always been Trez, and partially because he did play at University of Louisville for college basketball. But I just think like Trez should be a starter, and he's also hitting free agency. But it's gonna be unfortunate just for the timing. With uh, the salary cap maybe not going up as high as people thought it would be and space not being there. But Trez, I think, should have been started a long time for this Clippers team. But they just have so much depth and so much talent on this team that they could have a, their bench could compete with most teams' starting units. I agree. I think Montrez could have been a starter since his second year in the league. Um, I kind of, I really liked him coming out of Louisville just because he was that really explosive hustle player. But he's really transformed into a player that can put up 15 and 10 almost every night. I mean, he's one of those guys that you rarely see that has that much heart and hustle. Plus, he's a defensive stalwart that is kind of like an old-school player with his back to the basket. He's not really known for a three-point or a mid-range, but he can pull up from there and make it with some success. But the way that he's just transformed that Clippers bench and provided that spark, I think he is the choice for sixth man of the year. I mean, yeah, Lou Williams comes off with some scoring, but that's really all you get with Lou Williams is scoring. With with Montrez, you get scoring, rebounding, blocks, steals, assists. It's... For me, this is not a close race. Yeah, Dawn, what's your thoughts on six man? Um, I'll probably pick Montrez. I wouldn't be surprised if Schroeder wins, um, because he was a starter with the Hawks, and when OKC signed him, they knew they they were just gonna put him on the bench because we got Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, but yeah, I'm probably gonna pick Montrez, and then Schroeder probably finish second in my opinion, and then Lou Will in third. Yeah, Coach of the Year was interesting because the NBA Coaches Award for Coach of the Year 
was a tie between Budenhoser and I believe it was, I think Budenhoser and Donovan were the people with Nurse being one vote away from being a three-way tie. That was the coach's pick, but those are the three guys. We have Mike Boonhoser from the Bucks, Billy Donovan for the Thunder, and Nick Nurse from the Raptors. All three very deserving candidates. For me, I don't think Boonhoser should be the winner just because he he won it last year. And Milwaukee, they're first in the East again. Like, yeah, best record on the best team. best. But I just don't think that he's done – like they didn't really improve much from the year no, before. No, I mean, yeah, they're still, they're like, still barely a. Fi- they're they're still only a fifty-five win team with a superstar of the league. With I mean, yeah. if you have a superstar like that, you should definitely win a little bit more and by a bigger margin. Yeah, and like Nick Nurse, yeah, he won the championship last year, but they also they lose Kawhi Leonard, who was their Finals MVP. So and yeah, keeping and the group from, together and like Nick they were Nurse picked also, to finish. Nick Nurse also, yeah, yes, he lost Kawhi, but he's also been dealing with injuries to the starting lineup all year. Yeah. I mean, the starting lineup for the Raptors has only played together about 15 total times this year. And going from, you know, a championship run with the Hall of Fame small forward to a team that has a maybe, what is it, fourth year power forward, it's an emerging star. And yes, Siakam. Yeah, and injuries that have plagued the entire team. For me, it has to be that that has to be my pick. I mean, yes, I'm a little bit biased, but yeah. I think that that has been the hardest challenge out of all three teams. See, I like Donovan just because when they made the trade to get Chris Paul, they've thought, hey, they're tanking. Chris Paul's gonna be bought out. Chris Paul's like, no, I'm buying in. I'll do whatever this team needs of me. And the like people thought, oh, they'll be in the. Uh, lottery this year and then like he defied expectations with that team so i lean more towards donovan but i don't think you can go wrong with either donovan or nurse uh, yeah that, that thunder team is very good i mean chris paul obviously one of the greatest passers in the game shy gilgis alexander one of the be- one of the more up-and-coming shooting guards and then stephen adams who's you know that kind of brawling center down low yeah uh i don't know much about the small forward or power forward that the thunder have but um. Yeah, that's a good team. Yeah, Don. What's your thoughts on this? Because I know you are a Thunder fan, but do you have a, a? What's your opinion on Coach of the Year? Um. Well, based off past, um, you know, experiences, what we've seen, Budholzer is probably going to win it. Okay, he's got first in the Eastern Conference, um, best record. Probably going to win Coach of the Year. Okay. Um. Honestly, I'm surprised that Billy Donovan is in it just because um, you know, they're at, they're probably at about the, the same seating that they were last year, maybe a little bit higher. Um, so, honestly, I mean, I'm not even going to be biased here because I didn't expect Billy Donovan to be in the race to begin with. Um, probably uh, the Bucks coach is probably going to win it. Nick Nurse will probably finish second, and then Billy Donovan will probably finish third. Uh, yeah. Oh, and a little uh, update here. We're in a close one between the Nuggets and the Lakers. It's 121 to 120 with Kyle Kuzma just committing a shooting foul. So, looks like the Nuggets are going to be shooting free throws to possibly win the game. Oh, yeah. I have to get on the background, too. It's going to be interesting. For a little note before we move on to the NFL, I do think Taylor Jenkins is a coach to watch out for because he did have his Grizzlies team that – like, again, no one expected him to be anywhere near the playoffs. And right now they're the eighth seed. I think just being the eighth seed is kind of a little low. But I think in the future, watch out for him. He could be an emerging star as a coach. Anyway, on the NFL, there's not much positive news, unfortunately, given what's happening. But two players, very young players, have been charged and arrested. We have DeAndre Baker it was arrested a while back for armed robbery. And is currently facing a minimum of 10 years mandatory if convicted of this. And then Darius Geist got arrested on some disturbing charges of domestic violence. And was and strangulation. Yeah. And subsequently was released from the now known Washington football team, still waiting name, patent pending, trademarks pending. So I'll start <laughs> with uh, Casey on this. On uh, these two guys who look like they may have had a bright future in the NFL. 
And like Baker, especially if he, if he is convicted, ten years minimum in prison. Like their careers mm-hmm. are basically over if they are you convicted see, of this. I kind of disagree. I think that these are two very different situations. Obviously, um, I mean, yes, I mean one's robbery and one's assault, but the DeAndre Baker one's a little bit more complicated than just what we've seen. We've seen, we've heard that there was an altercation between some people there, and that DeAndre Baker did pull a gun. Yeah. But we don't know the full story, of course. I mean, for both situations, we don't know the full story. But obviously, Darius Geises seems more, uh, what's the word, intense because it is domestic violence as well as strangulation. That's kind of hard to, you know, overlook. Yeah. But I think DeAndre Baker, that situation's a little bit more complicated because of the underlying uh, causes because we don't know exactly what started the incident, what caused the gun to be drawn. Yeah, and it, yeah, and another thing about that is that uh, Quinn Dunbar was with him. They dropped the charge because of insufficient evidence for Quinn Dunbar. So, like, it's not we're not expecting. Let's it's no guarantee. Like, it's all they're still awaiting trial because you know innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. But like, it's definitely something scary that you need to monitor. And like, if Baker is. Uh, found not guilty and allowed a, like, a quit. If he's allowed to still play in the NFL, obviously people are going to be hard on him. You're going to have the jokes coming out, unfortunately. But like, if he can get his act together and like, if he's allowed, because right now he's on the commissioner exempt list, cannot play until yeah. the investigation is over. But I think Baker has a chance to be a really good superstar in this NFL. I do think Baker will be acquitted of these charges, and I hope he is because. He is a uh, promising cornerback. I really liked him coming out of Georgia. And um, <laughs> not to lie, I mean, I used to play with him in my Madden career franchises just because I liked uh, his upside. But on the other hand, Darius Geis' career is looking like it's over because that's a similar Ray Rice situation. Yeah. Then again, we do not know all the evidence. We do not know all of the conditions, but just what it sounds like, it sounds like his career. Also, hold on, I got to interrupt. This just in, Kyle Kuzma hits a shot with four tenths of a second left to give the Lakers the lead wow. over the Nuggets, 124-121. That's just in breaking news as we record this podcast. <laughs> but, Dawn, I'll get you uh, – sorry to interrupt that. Dawn, what's your thoughts on these situations and potential futures for these athletes? I think it's definitely, 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 definitely like a terrible thing that's happened, okay? It's very, very, very unfortunate. All right. Um, the NFL has had a history with domestic violence issues from its uh, players and its athletes, okay? Um, so with that guy situation – I'm sorry, but he just might be out of the league for like, like that just might be it for him. Um, Baker, if his attorney is great, he'll get acquitted of his charges. Okay. If his attorney, if his, if they, if they like literally cannot uh, get him out of those charges, then he's done for. He is not playing. Yeah. I mean, like I said, if convicted 10 years minimum in prison, there's no chance he's going to come out. A prison in ten years and go get a new like Michael Vick was only there for a couple of years for illegal dog fighting and he came out and got a job immediately. Yes, so after he after, but also he did his time and you can debate that whether he was deserving or not. But Michael Vick did his time and got a job immediately out of the mm-hmm. gate from prison. The NFL has shown to give players second chances. So if he's in there for two to five years or something like that. And he comes back out, change man. Then, you know, I like, go ahead. And, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure teams will call him and ask him to play. Or yeah, because they got talent. Like they got like Darius Geis is amazing at LSU coming back. Like he came after Leonard Fournette, replacing him. It's not an easy job to do. And then again, Darius Geis hasn't played a game in the NFL yet because he was injured last year with a. Yeah, he's been injured, so we don't know. But like, this is very unfortunate. And anyway, on to some kind of lighter news with baseball kind of picking up their season. But the St. Louis Cardinals have yet to play a game since July 29th because of COVID on that team. The teams like Yadier Molina tested positive. There's rumors All that, because they went to a casino. They went to a casino, broke curfew. That situation, I don't know like how the rest of these teams function because like, like the Cardinals, not only affecting their own schedule, 
but the rest of the NL and the AL Central, because they're scheduled to play these teams, you got to have a lot of double headers if you're the Cardinals to make up to get to the 60 games. I don't know if you call it, like, you don't want to call it quits because that affects the rest of the teams on your schedule. But, like, this situation is very unfortunate. And, like, like he said, they went to casino. Like, was it worth it, St. Louis? It's much worse than the Marlins were. And we gave the Marlins a lot of issues with that situation there. Uh, Dawn, Casey, any thoughts on that? I also think that the Marlins are in a hot spot, too. Yeah. I mean, the entire state of Florida is a giant crap show that we kind of knew it was going to be inevitable for Miami to catch it somehow, some way. However, the Cardinals is just a sheer lack of discipline by the team and the players. Going out, knowing that there is a global pandemic going on, knowing that you have the chance to put your team and teammates at risk, that's just selfish from the Cardinals. And you both know that I am not a Cardinals fan being a Cubs fan. Yeah. But there is no way around this. There is no way around the fact that the Cardinals are undisciplined and have not handled this situation well at all. And that's on the management as well as the players. Yeah. Dawn, what's your, like, how do you, like, Dawn, how do you go about scheduling around these, this team? Because, like, they got to play these games and they only have a short window unless Manfred decides to extend the, like, season deadline to fit these games in. So you'll be playing a lot of double headers and, like, nonstop. You get basically no rest days. You've had, like, two or three weeks off now. So, like, Dawn, if you're the Cardinals and you know, like, if you do come back, you have to play these double headers. You got nonstop. You got to play multiple games in multiple days. Like, how do you like plan for this with like pitching and balancing your roster? I mean, you want my honest opinion? I don't know right now. Okay, I couldn't. Yeah. I, honestly, okay, you could probably just keep doing double headers, but you gotta like plan them out with like times and like flights and stuff. And all. Well, actually, they shouldn't even be traveling. But that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Yeah, no, they should I, – I, I, I don't know, dude. Um, this whole this whole COVID thing is like, screwed up the MLB and, like, all the other sports leagues. And, like, the scheduling flights, like, it's not, it's not normal anymore. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Manfred cancels the season. Um, actually, I think he should if this, like, literally keeps up. Uh, I think it's like it's just one team. I don't think you cancel the entire season for the, just the Cardinals screwing up. I think if anything, the Cardinals season just suspend that. If I don't want that to happen, like that'd be horrible because it does affect a lot of te- other teams, not just St. Louis. But like it's got like uh, we said last week, we thought it'd be canceled. I don't see it getting canceled now. I think it's just like if the teams that do screw up, like lock them out, and unfortunately, sorry, you disobeyed protocol, you don't get to play anymore. Simple as that. That's my thoughts on. You're gonna that. have to do like the um, child care procedures. Uh, you know how I used to do it, where it's like, if you don't obey these rules, you can't do this. You know, yeah. Like, you didn't obey COVID procedures. You can't act like kids get treated like kids. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, that's just my humble opinion on the whole situation. Yeah. Also, in the news today, another player opting out mid-season. Another Met player. We saw what Cespedes did last week, but Marcus Stroman, former Blue Jays pitcher, traded to the Mets. He has decided to opt out, and this is an interesting situation because Marcus Stroman had five years of service time in this league. And if you know anything about baseball, which is very interesting for their sport, but if you played the show, you know this: that after your third year, you get arbitration for three more years. And once you hit that sixth year of service time, you're eligible to hit free agency and avoid arbitration altogether. So what Strowman did was he started the year on the injured list, which you're still occurring service time. So he's hit his six-year service time and now opts out of his contract. So he's scheduled to hit free agency this year, which we don't know how payroll will be for these teams and how much cash flow they have to spend. But it's interesting because we've seen owners do this all the time, like the Cubs with Chris Bryant. Res did with Nick Senzel just a year ago. And other like it's not uncommon. Teams do this all the time. 
to keep their players on the bench in AAA for like the first two weeks of the ma- regular Major League Baseball season, then call them up and they get uh, like just kind of abuse the service time rules and loopholes. So Strowman kind of throws it back in the owner's face right here. And uh, it, I mean, I don't blame him. Power too. I'm all for player empowerment. So I'll get Casey's thoughts first and go to Dalton. What's your thoughts on Strowman opting? I'm all for it. I mean, because he's clearly he's injured. And also, we like there. No one's taking COVID seriously, so like, especially New York's been pretty bad. So I'm all for him taking precaution over his family. But what's your thoughts, Casey? Yeah, I mean, your family comes first. I mean, like we talked about last week, Chris Bryant stepped away from the team to get tested two times because he has a baby son that was just born a little bit ago. I mean, people want sports only. I mean, no, 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 scratch that. People want sports, but often forget about the athletes are people too and have families too that they had to provide and look out for. I mean, yes, I really want a football season to happen or um, any other sport season to happen, but at the risk of these people's families, it's just not worth it. Uh, I just got a notification from ESPN that says MLB is looking into a bubble for the playoffs, preliminary talks to have a bubble type of situation for the playoffs, which that that would be awesome if they could do it for or like the playoffs because it, it doesn't seem feasible for the regular season right now. But a playoff when you have sixteen teams, maybe divide two sides for the AL and the NL. Like I don't, I didn't I saw the headlines, so I didn't read much into this. Maybe next week when we have a show, we'll talk more in depth about this. But what? Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt that conversation, but like Dalton, I'll start with you on this since I didn't get to hear your thoughts. On, well, she. Don, what's your thoughts on Strowman and then on this MLB possible bubble? Okay. Um, well, I think that Strowman was being smart by doing that. Um, like you all said, I definitely agree. That it was definitely a good idea for him to just opt out and become a free agent. Um, and now, as regard to the bubble, um, that should be fun. No. It's, it's preliminary talks. But... Um because obviously some teams are not going to be able to play all, all their games. And um, no, yeah, it should be, it should be fun and a very, very good idea. Good job, Manfred. Or yeah, Mr. Manfred. That's the first time I ever yeah. heard somebody say, good job, Manfred. <laughs> good job, Manfred. <laughs> Casey, what's your thoughts on the MLB bubble talks that is preliminary at this moment? I like the idea. I mean, we see how well it's working in the NBA, so why can't it work in the MLB? Yeah, and hockey. Like, they've had no positive tests once the bubble has hit. So, next, on to the NHL. I'm just going to go through this briefly since I know that the playoffs start tomorrow or maybe today when this goes up. But NHL had an interesting format, and the two 12 seeds in this bracket, the worst teams in the bubble, the Montreal Canadiens and the Chicago Blackhawks, pull off some big upsets in order to advance to the playoffs. And for hockey, they used to do this all the time, and then they changed a different format. But they're reseeding each round so that the best team plays the worst team and I'll so forth. i tell you forth. what, Spencer, it's weird hearing that the Chicago Blackhawks are one of the worst teams in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, they won the Cup only like back in 2015, I think. 2013 and 2015, I think they won. Back when they were dominant. Yeah. So right now the uh, playoffs out west, we have the Vegas Golden Knights and the Chicago Blackhawks. We have the Colorado Avalanche playing the uh, Phoenix Coyotes. Or is Arizona Coyotes? I know they used to be Phoenix and changed Arizona. Then we have the Dallas Stars and Calgary Flames. And then the defending cup champion St. Louis Blues are the four seed and the Canucks are the five seed. Which is also interesting. The Blues have the best record in the West. Bruins have the best record in the East. But because of the round robin play to try to get people back and healthy, they both finish four. So that's in weird format to see. But out East, we have the Philadelphia Flyers, one Canadians in the eighth seed. The Tampa Bay Lightning, two Columbus Blue Jackets, seven. The Capitals are three facing the Islanders, who are six. And then Bruins playing the Hurricanes from Carolina. I'm all I love hockey, especially in the playoff time. Obviously, you guys know my allegiance is with the Boston Bruins, so that's who I'm rooting for. 
But in like there's no like I don't know much about to give you an honest prediction one way or another of who I think's gonna win. Although I do find it interesting that Edmonton and Toronto were the were the two host teams. Both of them get knocked out before the first round starts. So do you guys have anything you want to add before we dive on to some NCAA information? All I want to say is go Hawks. Dalton, you have any allegiance to a team that you want to throw out? Um, I'm probably pulling for Vegas. Uh, Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. <laughs> Cold swingers here. Gosh, what a good movie. Also, another hockey-related news. Today, the New York Rangers won the NHL draft lottery because the way the lottery was set, they did a two-fold format, and a team that was yet to be determined won the lottery, and that ended up being the Rangers. Every team that got eliminated had the same amount of odds. And they're projected to pick Alexis Lafreniere. He's the projected number one overall pick in the NHL, presumed to be their guy. And like a huge gift. For, I don't know much about this prospect, but everyone says he's going to be really good. We saw how Austin Matthews turned out. He was the number one pick. So this could be interesting. Anyway, with college football, again, we all love football. We would love to see it play. But right now, here's the facts we have. UConn has canceled their football season, which they were independent. It was going to be very hard for them to schedule teams. D2 and D3 have canceled fall championships, but teams could still go conference play still. The MAC has canceled their football season. We've seen star players like Michael Parsons from Penn State, Greg Rousseau from Miami, and Rondell Moore have opted out of the season. Power 5 teams have come together to try to form a coalition the players have done hashtag we want to play because they all definitely want to play. Even Trevor Lawrence, who has probably little to nothing to gain from a year of football play, he wants to go out there and play because he loves Clemson, loves playing for that school. I just – we all know how the power structure in college football works. The power five schools have all the power there, and the small five, the smaller schools can't compete with them. Even we saw UCF a couple years ago undefeated, no playoff opportunity. And right now, the Big Ten has been talking about canceling or postponing their season. I'm not a big fan of spring football, personally. I'll, I'll get your guys' thoughts on that in a second. But I think you just pull the plug. Mark Emmert, I do not like him. He's in some way present. I'm not a big fan of his for a lot of various reasons. But I just don't see – like, if even if you have just the power of five schools playing, that doesn't bode well. Like, if you have a whole conference with the MAC pulling out, other like UConn, they're in a pin. They pulled out. This is not going to be a same football season that you're used to. I just don't see how it can be legitimized if you're only playing with Power Five schools. Casey, I'll get your thoughts on this now. I think there, if there is a season, there definitely has to be an asterisk next to next to any stats or championship that there is. And that, as we know, the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve have all opted out of their season, and the ACC and SEC are most likely going to have one because SEC obviously said we will play. And the yeah, ACC, football's big in the South. Yeah, and the ACC has also said we want to have a season. And yeah. I think if those two conferences play, which I, as of now are the only two conferences that stated they actually do want to have a season, I think it's going to be difficult to kind of put together – a real college football atmosphere. I mean, there will be no bands playing. There won't be any um, big plays that you'll be excited about, like the kick six and that atmosphere. There won't be anything like that. It'll be empty stadiums with just the kids playing. But I think there's a bigger issue here. We got to think about these, like, like Trevor Lawrence or like these other players have said, they don't want to go back to their home communities because they feel that their communities are more dangerous than actually playing football. I mean, some players have said, if I go back, I'm more likely to get either shot up or hurt than whenever I'm at my school playing football because they feel most safe at the stadium or at the training facility with their team which is completely understandable. I mean, if I were a football player, I wouldn't want to go back to my community if I were at risk. I mean, I don't know about you all, but I'm assuming you wouldn't either. 
Yeah, I mean, one thing about football players I've seen is something come out. It's like we've been tested regularly. Like we're very safe because we're taking all precautions. We're being tested regularly. And again, I understand the players' perspectives on both sides. The players opting out for safety and well, like Michael Parsons, projected top five pick. Rondo Moore, we all saw him play in high school. We know how good he can be. First, second round pick. Like work on the draft. I it's like the uh, bowl games when players opt out of bowl games because like they just want to preserve their bodies. Their draft stocks, they have nothing left to prove. But also on the flip side, players and coaches that want to play. Coaches, again, that's your job. Your job is to go out and coach. You always want to play. What I think it comes down to is the players themselves are considered student athletes, student coming first. And this is maybe a little like politics of the sport, but like these players, like, yes, they're on scholarships. But they're not being paid. They're not employees. Spencer, if you don't think Whereas they're being the, paid, then you are. Oh, no, they're being paid under the table. I get that. But, like, we can speculate on that all the time. Oh, but... there's no speculation about it. It's fast. <laughs> yeah. But, like, legally, quote, like, with air quotes, legally they're not being paid by the university or anyone. Boosters are definitely paying for these guys. But, <laughs> like, they're not, like, sanctioned employees of the school whereas professional athletes they're the employee of a team and they can do like a bubble situation i don't think a bubble works in college no chance maybe the NCAA tournament last year like bubbled them better like maybe because have a case but anyway Dalton, what's your thoughts on this whole the kids doing the hashtag we want to play conference is pulling out like how legitimate would you say the season would be if it does take place with just the power five schools who are the biggest money makers we know well I mean, it would be legitimate. Nah, it would be sort of legitimate. Uh, yeah. If the players want to play, let them play. Okay. The yeah. conference is out west. Great idea. Don't play this either because California and, like, the, like that area, there's too many COVID cases. Don't play. That's a great idea. Okay. The south, besides Florida, not too much. Not as bad. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think Georgia's – I haven't looked at a stat reach, but I'm pretty sure Georgia, they at least were at one point really bad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the conferences that are going to play, let them play. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean, I don't really have any anything else to say about it. I mean, the, 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 the teams and, like, the players, if they, if they want to pull the plug and don't play the season, fine. Let them do it because they're just in college. They're there to get a degree or go to the, uh, the pros. Okay. Um, and they will make their decision based off what is best for them. After all, they are the player. They're, they're the people that are playing the football games on Saturdays and going to school, trying to get a good, uh, you know, like schooling and stuff, you know, they, uh, the yeah. whole nine yards, um, and like you all said earlier, they're not they're not professionals. Okay, they're just collegiate athletes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything else to say about it. Uh, it's just all up to the player's decision. All right, what's best for them? I mean, like we're all, we're not naive. We know that college football is the single biggest moneymaker for these universities and the NCAA. And Nebraska Scott Frost, their head coach, came out and said, like, we want to play. Like, if we don't, we're losing $80 million to $120 million in revenue. Like, these schools, like, it's going to hurt the small schools a lot more than the bigger schools that you're all like, accustomed to, the Ohio States, the Clemson's, the Alabamas. Like, those schools will be fine. Like, if they don't play, it, like, yes, they'll be hurt financially, but not to the extent of these smaller schools. Like, let's put in-state, like WKU or the FCS levels like Murray State, EKU. Like, these schools – financially are going to be hit hard with the loss of fall, fall sports, including football, which is the biggest revenue maker of them all. In case, any closing thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's definitely a big problem for some for most schools with uh, regarding money. I mean, just schools in where we're from, Louisville, are going bankrupt and having to start classes just because they'll go bankrupt if they don't. For example, our school that we won't name right now, or um, school, other universities around us. They have to have programs because they're going to go bankrupt if they don't. I mean, this is definitely a big problem that schools and businesses are facing because they don't 
play, they don't stay open. And this is definitely a big problem for a lot of schools. Yeah, again, like hopefully like next time we do a podcast, we'll have more clarity. Like, again, there's no final decision at this moment, but it's looking likely that if there is a uh, fall season, it will be just the Power Five. And I don't know, what, again, real quick, what's your thoughts on if there's a spring football season? I know some states for high school, they've claimed that they're going to do this. I just think that it's just not – it's just way too risky. And, like, hopefully we do have a better – graphs on coronavirus by springtime but do you think that it just works i don't i don't like, know because because you're, you're gonna run into the problem with the other spring sports which in the springtime there's not like the re- i mean the biggest one's baseball that's not really much of a revenue if you compete with basketball like beginning of the season that wouldn't be the worst thing but i don't know because like, do you think it works in kentucky like our high schools are already starting to practice i mean schools are already starting to practice and they've been practicing for a week or two so this is definitely an interesting situation that'll of course develop later on. Yeah. Anyway, that kind of wraps up our college football debate. In other news, I'm just gonna go through these briefly. The Rock won or the the Rock didn't win. He bought the XFL and saved it from going bankrupt. And then uh, I apologize if I butchered this guy's name, Colin. Morikawa wins the PGA Championship that just took place this past weekend. Congratulations go out to him. Uh, any closing remarks before I close the show? I'll start first with Casey on this. Uh, yeah, again, congrats to Colin. What, that's his name of Colin, right? Yeah, Because Colin he is Morikawa. 23 years old and one of the youngest PGA winners uh, since World War II. So, yeah, that's a bright future for yeah, him. It's a big accomplishment. I'm curious to see how the rest of the golfers do in the um, FedEx Cup and upcoming um, and upcoming tournament. So that'll be definitely interesting. Uh, good luck to our boy Justin Thomas from Louisville. And, yeah, that's all I have. Hey, Don, any closing remarks before I close the show out? No, I agree with everything you all said. Congratulations <laughs> to Colin. And, yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah, just a reminder, again, you can follow us on Spotify. We're also available on Apple Podcasts and Google. So thank you for tuning in to another edition of Out of Bounce. I'm Spencer Brown. I'm Casey Reardon. I'm uh, Dalton Bishop. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you all next time. Adios.